Are you ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here is your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners, welcome to my 413th ever show of all around sports. Reach Monday at noon Eastern time. We broadcast live from Boston. To go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this weekend and what's ahead for the week. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-866-472-5788, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, which comes to me through my website at www.iirsportsoneword.com. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week. Also, we will be joined next segment by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well. Well, my highlight of the week is yesterday's fantastic red zone made-to-order endings to the 1 o'clock Eastern games with nonstop fantastic finishes all occurring within about 15 minutes of each other. Uh, First, there was the Steelers-Titans game where uh, potential Hall of Fame kicker, Stephen Goskowski, who I know well from watching up here in New England all, the, all those years, missed a tying field goal, giving the Steelers a victory and keeping them as now the only undefeated team in the NFL. And then we had the Browns-Bengals, where Baker Mayfield took his team down the field and uh, hit the winning touchdown with 11 seconds left. That was a great game. Jer Burrow and Baker Mayfield just back and forth. And uh, Joe Burrow certainly looks like the real deal, uh, to put it mildly. Then we had the Lions-Falcons. Uh, Todd Gurley tried to stop himself from scoring, hence giving the Lions the ball back. But he couldn't, and he broke the plane. And all I could ask was, uh, he must not have been watching uh, the Penn State-Indiana uh, <laughs> game on Saturday where the exact same thing happened. And the Penn State player scored, uh, opening the door for Indiana to basically beat the top 10 tank ranked team for the first time in like over 35 years. Uh, but we'll get to that later, the college football. And then we had the Panthers-Saints, another close game. Uh, one score decided by three points. Also went late, and uh, the Saints pulled that one out. And then to top it all off, we had uh, the Sunday night football game, which had been moved. Uh, they switched the Tampa Bay Bucks uh, and the Raiders game with the Cardinal Seahawks and Turned out to, to be another scintillating finish involving the Seahawks, but this time they actually lost uh, in overtime to the Arizona Cardinals down in, down in Phoenix. And uh, all credit to the Cardinals. It just felt throughout that game like Seattle had the upper hand and would ultimately win. It didn't happen. 
And uh, it was quite the surprise when the Cardinals just continued to hang in there, hang in there. And then finally we were able to stop Russell Wilson and pull out the victory in overtime, had an interception, some sacks. And uh, as the announcer said, Seattle's been living on the edge all year with some amazing last-second victories. Uh, but it finally caught up to them last night. Sticking with the NFL, my lowlight of the week is the New England Patriots suffering their worst loss at home ever at Gillette Stadium, which opened in 2002. Uh, to add insult to injury, they, it was at the hands of the 49ers and former Patriots uh, backup quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo. And it was just a sad day here in New England, to put it mildly. I'm here 20 minutes from Gillette Stadium. Uh, I guess all I can say is probably good there weren't fans in the stands because it would have been shocking to witness following up last week's loss to the Broncos. And Patriots are suddenly setting all types of records, like I just mentioned. Worst loss ever in the Belichick era as a Patriot head coach at home. And... uh, and now the, the the dominoes are starting to fall and all the records that they built up over the past 20 years. What else can you say? Cam Newton looks lost. He just does. Uh, it's shocking what's uh, happened in the last couple of weeks with him, last two games in particular, after such a strong start by him. And then again, to add insult to injury, uh, at the same time, uh, at the other end of the country, Tom Brady and Gronk are back to being Brady and Gronk, and the Bucks are looking awesome as they polished off the Las Vegas Raiders in Vegas, and Brady scored a touchdown, started off with a quarterback sneak. Oh, by the way, he's the greatest quarterback sneaker of all time. Let's not forget that, and he showed it again yesterday, the way he burrows in there. Incredible. Uh, Just one of his many uh, best-of-all-time talents. And he threw four touchdown passes. So uh, the the Bucs are really rounding into form. They had a rough outing in in Chicago on a Thursday night game a couple weeks back. Uh, But now it's feeling a bit like a decent, distant memory after they handled... Uh, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers big time last week and now go out to Vegas and do that. So it's uh, it's uh, it's Brady time. What else can you say? And before we leave the NFL for the moment, uh, breaking news this morning that Odell Beckham Jr. apparently tore his ACL and is gone for the season. So... That's not good for the Browns coming off their huge victory yesterday. And finally, my bizarre story of the week was the craziest ending ever to a World Series game on Saturday night. Uh, You really can't make this stuff up. Where Tampa native, Tampa area native, Brett Phillips, the last guy on the bench, who had come over uh, in August, I believe, from the Royals, uh, delivered a hit uh, with two outs, two strikes, and it set off a chain of events unlike really we've uh, unlike anything we've ever really seen to end a World Series game and practically any other game. 
Uh, his head was booted, kicked away, if you will, by this by center fielder for the Dodgers, Chris Taylor, uh, allowing the tying run to score. And then, uh, in <laughs> you know a sequence that we'll just never forget, uh, Randy Arozarena was the second. Ray's player on base. He comes steaming around third. He stumbles and starts to go back to third. Then the relay throw from uh, from the first baseman for the Dodgers uh, was dropped by Dodgers catcher Will Smith. And Rosarina scored the winning run. And in a span of just split seconds, it was over. The Rays had won, making the series 2-2. The Dodgers, of course, won last night to go up 3-2. But sticking with Saturday night, it was just an amazing, amazing chain of events. Of course, Brett Phillips then helicoptered around in the outfield uh, like an airplane with all his teammates following him. Just great theater. Shots that we'll remember forever, camera shots, and, of course, uh, Rosarina pounding the plate uh, with the winning run as he lay on his stomach uh, will not soon be forgotten. That's going to go down in the annals. That's going to be Carlton Fisk home run level. Uh, it'll, be, it'll be around forever. So it was really uh, just a special, special ending to that game. Luckily, I was uh, watching it live. And uh, I just couldn't believe what I just saw, to quote the great Jack Buck after uh, Kirk Gibson's famous homer in 1988. It was just uh, just remarkable to see. And uh, the Rays, uh, don't count them out for tomorrow night. Um, they're just a team that uh, will not die. But hats off to Clayton Kershaw, who... Uh, one last night, set some records. I think the most strikeouts in postseason history. I think he's put a lot of his postseason ghosts to bed, uh, especially winning last night on the heels of the Rays' Saturday night victory and the great play in that game where uh, the Rays tried to steal home plate and he was out. And that really decided the game. And Kershaw, of course, made a great play to get the ball in there. Uh, as a left-hander, of course, his back was to the uh, runner coming in from third. Um, so it was the, another, you know, pretty fascinating sequence, uh, to say the least. And, uh, yeah, Marcel Margot was the runner for the Rays, of course. It's literally showing it right on TV. It was bang, bang at the plate. But he was out, and uh, and the Dodgers held on uh, to put that game away. So, uh, been a great postseason and a great World Series. And again, uh, the Rays, uh, they'll show up tomorrow night. We'll see what happens. But the Dodgers have been uh, in the playoffs eight straight years, I believe, uh, perhaps even as the division winner and uh, – the moment is at hand for the Dodgers to, uh, you know, to finally win the World Series that they've been flirting with for 
uh, a number of years in a row here. So they need to really get it done uh, tomorrow night in the same light. The Rays are more than capable of hanging in there. So now let's take our break. And next up will be our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well. So don't go anywhere. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies Radio Show with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. Planning for college? Tune in to Getting In, a college coach conversation for tips, techniques, and insider perspectives. Hosted by Elizabeth Heaton, a former admissions officer at the University of Pennsylvania and featuring her fellow admissions and college finance experts from Bright Horizons College Coach. The show shares what colleges are really looking for and how to highlight your hard-won achievements for the best chance at success. New episodes air every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. A brave heart is anyone with the courage to be of service to others. If you have that courage, then Bravehearts Radio with Brian Reinbold is for you. Even if you aren't yet, you'll want to still tune in to get inspired. Create your own story to share and change your life for the better. Listen to the stories of service and courage shared by amazing guests and your input too. Listen for Brave Hearts Radio, Mondays at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Remember, doing good anywhere does good everywhere. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-866-472-5788, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well, joins us. And A.P., how are you doing today? Hey, good morning, John. So glad to be on your show. Doing well. Thank you. Well, good to have you as always. Uh... And I was thinking of you on Saturday when I was watching the Alabama game and saw Jalen Waddle go down. And we have talked about him on this show often, including in recent weeks and out for the year. And it just uh, was it was just awful. I, I guess he tried to bring a kick out and uh, got injured and 
just sad because he is uh, a great player and college football is worse off without him playing the rest of this year. Oh, yeah, John, there's no question. Yeah, not only for Alabama, but the rest of the college football and all the fans who enjoy his versatility as a wide receiver and kick returner. He's so dynamic and elusive and fast and athletic. Uh, he was, I think he was averaging about 22 yards per catch. And I think he, he probably would have set a, a school record with that average. Uh, Ozzie Newsom holds the all-time I think, career at 20 yards per catch actually, uh, for his entire career at Alabama. But that would have probably been the the best for a season with a minimum amount of catches, you know, probably over 30 or something like that. Right, right. Well, you could make the case he's the most exciting player in college football. Um, and another in the long line of spectacular receivers in recent years coming out of Alabama. You know, he was and is, you know, the heir, the heir apparent. To just all yeah. those oh yeah we fabulous players oh, oh yeah we have oh yeah we haven't seen them all yet we haven't seen them all yet but he sure is pretty good I mean oh, yeah. we have, you know the Pac-12 to, to come on board yet and but I'm telling you I don't know many very there's not there's, it's not a, a long roll call for players in his his um, his stratosphere correct correct it's a uh, very short of course I think he burst into the nation's consciousness uh, last year against Auburn when he had truly won a, a game for the ages that nobody who watched oh, yes. it will ever forget. Um, no. And from then on, he's been a household name. Okay, what else can you say? Yeah, it, it's not often you score, I think, four touchdowns against your rival in a number of ways. Correct, correct. So, the injury is exactly, is it a broken ankle or... Um, it's always tough well, to figure this out on the spot. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I thought it was a fracture, broke, broken ankle. I mean, I don't know the the words mean something different. I guess the fracture is not totally uh, separated, right? Is that the term maybe used when it's just a, a break, but not totally separated? I guess. I think there so, might be a slight difference between the two. Yes, yes. Yeah, so broken and fracture, I, I'm not but sure exactly. it's not yeah, good yeah. either way. Yeah, either way, it's that doesn't bode well. He, I don't, I don't think he's going to be back. You know, out for the season. So, correct. It's not as bad as they thought. I, I've heard that it's not as bad as they thought. Oh, I good. Hear that? Yeah, oh, good. And they were able to repair good. it. Oh, that's excellent. Yeah. So often these days, it feels like we hear that it's much worse than they thought. Uh, yes. Alex Smith, for instance, you know, where, so you just never know. Right. Sometimes it takes a couple of days to sort it out. And here we are a couple of days later. And that's good news. I'm glad to hear that. Yes. Oh, yes. And, you know, Alabama, nobody's crying any crocodile tears for them to lose a player. No. So they'll just carry on. And you saw John Meshi, a wide receiver, have a big day, 150 or so yards. And then, of course, they have Devontae Smith, who All-American wide receiver. So I, I tell people that Alabama had two All-American wide receivers. Now they have an All-American wide receiver and somebody who's at least, I would say, all-SEC caliber, John the third. Yes, yes. And, of course, to state the obvious, Alabama rolled yet again 
and it feels a little bit like Alabama and Clemson uh, might be headed for another showdown because they seem to be, uh, shall we say, a cut above uh, the rest of the teams out there playing uh, with the caveat that we've only seen Ohio State uh, play their first game on Saturday, blowing out Nebraska in Columbus. So, But Alabama and Clemson, there they sit atop the polls yet again. Yeah, I think that right now it's Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State looks pretty good as well. When you have a that type of quarterback, they can run and throw you to victory. And they have some fast players, athletic players, probably a pretty good defense. We'll find out um, as the course of the season progresses. But I would say those three teams and then the fourth team, John, I guess I'd put Notre Dame in there. So uh, I was thinking. Georgia, maybe if they get, yeah, Georgia possibly down the road. Uh, we haven't seen the Pac-12 yet, Oregon, USC. I think USC is going to have a really good offense. Really? Wow. And it's, it's funny. It's, yeah, I, yeah, I think so because of that quarterback and some, some of the receivers uh, that are returning. Uh, and Brew McCoy, for one, you know, he was a great player coming out of modern day, went to USC and then transferred to Texas for a few moments and then came back to USC. I think he's going to be a big surprise as an offensive player for them. And in this year, John, where offense is the paramount uh, reason you're probably going to win a champion, I think USC might be right up there with Alabama and Clemson, you know, in that, in that realm. Interesting. Um, yeah, I don't yeah, know about USC. the running game. i got to check the running game. Yeah, the running game and the offensive line, you know, but I think they got the skilled players in the quarterback. Yeah, interesting. You know, tough to get a read since they haven't played yet. Just no different than it was you know, no. a few days ago. You know, until you see them play, it's a little bit tough. You know, Ohio State, same situation, but uh, they delivered yeah. what we thought. No, by the way, I thought it was interesting to see Christian McCaffrey's brother, Luke, uh, playing for Nebraska. I didn't realize he went there, and he, he made an immediate impact with a nice run. As He went there as a quarterback, record-setting quarterback from high school, I might add, and with the McCaffrey bloodlines, and yeah. uh, and yet he uh, showed his versatility and skills as a running back right off the bat with a nice forty-yard run or so down to like the two-yard line, uh, you know, in the first series. So, uh, so that was cool to see, and because I, I had heard about him in high school, uh, many people had, you, you know, given his mm-hmm. again uh, bloodlines. Uh, his father played for the Broncos, Ed, of course. Uh, yeah. And so, yeah. Um, but Ohio State, they look like you expect Ohio State to look. And Justin Fields, at this point, you have to say, he made a good move transferring from Georgia, right? I mean, he, he's er, turned into a real leader. and <laughs> He sure did. You know, I have to ask you this question. Yeah. Is the fact mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he never got to start down in Georgia as simple as Jake Fromm had held the job? was obviously an upperclassman right. and you know it taken him to national championship games and it was it was just near impossible to replace him no matter how talented his backup in this case Justin Fields was is it really that simple John those are the hard decisions i mean you saw at Clemson where yep. Trevor Lawrence came on board and Kelly Bryant was the quarterback i mean they played Alabama in the semifinal the prior year in the Sugar Correct. Bowl so you're you're returning a veteran quarterback, but you see something in this young freshman 
that's superior, and you make that move, and the next thing you know, Kelly Bryant's transferring to Missouri uh-huh. and uh, leaving them in the dust with some some uh, ill-advised comments. And Trevor Lawrence, I mean, he's been spectacular ever since. But Correct. You have to make these difficult decisions. And, John, we all know people who evaluate the quarterback position, they have difficulty. I mean, these are professional scouts sometimes. They make selections in the draft. Three or two, two and a half years later, the quarterback is gone from the league. You know, high Correct. picks, top ten picks. Good point. So, Good point. you know, if for me, if I was a head coach, John, what I would do, I would reach out to who I thought maybe be a scout that had the most success evaluating players, specifically quarterbacks, and I'd have them come in and watch our practices for a week. You know, I'd you know, pay them some type of consulting fee if you could or however that was arranged, and then I'd get his opinion. And I'd, I'd probably maybe even ask some other scouts, um, and you know, and then you know, how you'll, you'd have your own opinion, of course. But that's so difficult. I mean, who knew that Justin Fields was going to be so dynamic uh, a player in college? He, he, I mean, he was a highly recruited, of course, top dual threat quarterback. But you didn't know that, that Georgia needed to replace Jake Fromm. Correct, and you know. With all due respect to Kelly Bryant and a terrific player who, again, like you said, led him to the semifinal, he was a bit of a bridge between, you know, Deshaun Watson and, you know, Trevor Lawrence where, but Jake Fromm was, you know, embedded (laughs) as the Georgia quarterback. I mean, you know, going back, like, you know, just his history, you know, led his team to the Little League World Series up in Williamsport. He was that kind of a special Mm -hmm. athlete. So, you know, and of right, course went to right. the national championship games. So, you, you know, just not someone that's easily replaced. Jake Fromm was Georgia football for a few years, to say the least. Right, right. How do you replace somebody? I mean, and Alabama went through it as well. You have somebody that leads you to the championship game. The next thing you're replacing him with another quarterback. And you're thinking, how could that happen? Well, that's. That's life with these top programs. These quarterbacks, yeah. they come to school, they don't think like maybe you and I or other people. They feel, I'm the best thing that ever happened to football. That's Absolutely. They wouldn't be where they were if they didn't think that way. They have to. No. Yeah. yeah. So it, it didn't, it didn't uh, uh, evolve where Justin Fields was a starter. And so he moved on appropriately. I mean, I know coaches don't like that to happen, but what if he stayed at, at Georgia and, um, you know, they kept playing Jake Fromm. He wasn't going to get enough playing. They, I don't think they played him enough when Jake Fromm was there. They could have probably played him more Correct. when he was at Georgia. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. Only, yeah, I mean, Kirby Smart, that would be a good question to ask him someday if you're sitting around on the golf cart or something and or by a beach and just say, Coach, I, looking back now, you're reflecting, you're trying to, I mean, the coaches are always saying, let's get better, let's get better. That includes themselves, right? So you pose that Correct. question to him, Coach, uh, when you're in your self-evaluation, what do you think you should have done with Justin Fields? More playing yeah. time, less playing time? I mean, what, what's your evaluation of your own coaching? Right, tough guy to keep off the field. I mean, obviously, you, you know, the talent would have <laughs> yeah. been obvious then as in now. And, uh, you know, these are the tough decisions. But again, Jake Fromm was, you know, a legend 
in in Georgia, to say the least. Yes. Yes. Dating back to when he was twelve yes. years old. <laughs> so yeah. Right. Um, right. Yeah. Anyway, AP, uh, you know, all our thoughts uh, are with Jalen Waddle to make a, a quick and seamless recovery. Not going to happen for this year, but hopefully uh, it all turns out well for him. I think we all have every reason to believe it's good news to hear from you that it may not has been as bad as was uh, possible. So that's good news. But AP, why don't we take our first break and still have a lot to get to? On the other side. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Voice America presents a new kind of health awareness talk show, the Sharon Kleina Hour, health, environment, and the power of water. Show host Sharon Kleina interviews leading scientists to discover how each of us can become proactive in protecting our personal health environment in an increasingly unhealthy world. Every show offers new information that could save your life. The Sharon Kleina Hour is health from an environmental perspective, your ultimate source for a personal environmental lifestyle. Listen Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel and Wednesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Tune in every Friday to get your weekend kickoff early. Join the legendary G. Keith Alexander for What's Hot Harlem America. The flagship show of the new Harlem America Digital Network has something for everyone. From the latest in entertainment to empowerment, health and wellness, and more, we'll bring you a variety of fresh viewpoints, voices, and ideas. What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander can be heard every Friday at 1 p.m. in New York and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. On Read My Lips Radio, producer and host, a.k.a. Radio Red, invites you to eavesdrop on her live, unscripted conversations with smart, savvy, creative people as she discovers what makes them tick, where they find their inspiration, when creativity first became their passion, and how their creative process can inspire the rest of us to think out of the box. Enjoy, a.k.a. Radio Red's always lively, cool conversations with creatives. Mondays at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Oh, how those lips can talk. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. And I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is one 866 Four seven two five seven eight eight, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. Back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well. And A.P., we were talking a lot of Alabama last segment. Jalen Waddle, of course, 
getting hurt, out for the year. But they still have their quarterback, Mac Jones, who has just been on a roll this year. John, 19 consecutive completions. That's a new school record, surpassing Greg McElroy, I believe it was 16. So that's fabulous. Uh, he threw for 387 yards, just 13 short of 400, but would have been four straight weeks at 400. He's beyond Joe Burrow at this point, I guess. And um, he's just been magnificent for Alabama, throwing that long ball with, with touch and precision. And it, I mean, I just enjoy watching Mac, and he stays in that pocket. He takes a hit. He take, he'll take that hit, John. He sure will. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, he's had a slew of 400-yard passing games and fell just a little short. This past weekend, almost got there, but just not yeah. quite. But he's, again, racking up the uh, SEC Player of the Week honors along the way. Yeah, th- this is the third one, uh, two in a row. So it's the third one for the season. Amazing. Amazing. That is not, you know, something to be uh, taken for granted when you're the SEC Player of the Week anytime, let alone three times. Yeah. Um, so it's yeah. remarkable. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This week it was co-offensive player because Seth Williams of Auburn was uh, a, a co-offensive player of the week as well. Oh, okay. Um, mm-hmm. Well, there was other interesting college football. I, of course, grew up near Penn State, so lifelong fan, and uh, their season, uh, they, they were involved in an unbelievable game on Saturday. Uh of course, ended up losing to Indiana on a very controversial play uh, in overtime where the Indiana quarterback dove for the pylon. It was called a touchdown. It stood up, but replay showed that uh, the ball may have hit the ground before it touched the pylon. And uh, it's created quite the, the stir, if not an uproar. But in the end, uh, Penn State lost, and it was the first time Indiana had beaten a top 10 team in something that sounds like it's 30-plus years, maybe as high as like 38 years. And it was an interesting play where, of course, the Penn State had the ball with about a little over a minute and a half left and the lead, uh, eight-point lead, I might add, and or not, not an eight-point lead. They had a, a lead and then... Indiana let him score, and it was clear that the running back, when he got to the goal line, didn't want to score. Uh, We all remember this from the Super Bowl between the Patriots and the Giants years ago in 2011 when uh, a very similar play occurred, and he fell into the end zone, and Indiana got the ball back, drove the field, tied it, got a two-point conversion to tie the game. Um, and then it went into overtime. We know the rest of the story. And then AP was crazy. Kind of almost an identical rerun play happened yesterday in the NFL where Todd Gurley uh, from the Falcons, they let him score. And it was like just like the Penn State player at the very last moment, the half-yard line, whatever you want to call it, about to break the plane, remembered that they shouldn't score and tried to stop themselves, but they couldn't. And they each broke the plane, each scored. And the other team each took the ball yesterday, the Lions, Saturday, Indiana, 
and drove it the length of the field to win the game here <laughs> or to, you know, tie it to, to later win it for Indiana. Yes. So yes, yeah. it's incredible because, you I know, mean, you just don't see that play very often and to have it happen back to back and have the team, the other team go down the field and score was just remarkable. Right. Yeah. You don't see that very often. And the uh, coach uh, Franklin had went over that situation and, Yep, that's what he said after the sometime game. In the, sometime in the moment, uh, your mind's not totally on uh, logic or reasoning, and you're just acting on your instinct. Uh, normally, you want to score a touchdown, so it, it just didn't turn out for him. But I don't think the Penn State, and I didn't, I didn't see the press conference or anything, but I, I don't think the Penn State team thought that they lost because of that two-point conversion because they had some other mishaps in that game. Yeah. They had missed opportunities. They did. Missed field goals, that's for sure. Uh, at the end, you have to give credit to the Indiana quarterback. He came up with unbelievable plays. You know, I think one was yes. a fourth and 21. Uh, right. You know, he, he made plays when he absolutely positively had to. He ran it in on the, uh, you know, the two-point conversion. Um to tie the game at the end, uh, it seemed at the moment impossible that, you know, if the Penn State player did score that touchdown, that they were going to drive the field and win. But they did, you know, and score, and then score a yeah. two-point conversion to tie it and send it into overtime. But they did, and, you know, yeah. it was their time. I mean, you know, yeah, it really was. John, I've seen that happen. Yeah, I've seen that happen to Alabama. Quarterbacks have the game of their life. Correct. Uh, one comes to mind, Stephen Garcia at South Carolina. They beat Alabama in, in Columbia. I think it was 2010, I believe. And he never played an, even close to that uh, again. So maybe the Indiana quarterback, that be, may be the, his shining moment in, as an Indiana football player. Yes, yes. No, it was a big deal. I mean, again, first time they yeah. beat a top 10 team and. Uh, over three decades. So uh, they, you know, celebrated uh, <laughs> as it deserved to be celebrated. Great side, great locker room shots of the team celebrating with their coach and everything after the game. And again, you know, hats off to them. And then now we have Penn State hosting Ohio State this Saturday yeah. night, Halloween night, in what would have been the mm-hmm. whiteout game. Uh, we'll see what, if anything, they do. I mean, we, we know that there's not going to be fans there. That's obvious. Right, uh, right. To my knowledge, zero fans. Uh, and I believe that's more of a Big Ten rule than a Pennsylvania rule. Because uh, right. months ago they had said there would be no fans if, before all the suspension, the season, and coming back. All that happened. But I will say this, mm-hmm. you know, that, Steeler fan, Steelers and Eagles have been allowing fans into games. So again, mm-hmm. I, without knowing if Pennsylvania would let fans in, I don't. There won't be fans because I believe the Big Ten wants an even playing field, so no fans at any of their games. Um, but neither here nor there. It's would have been the traditional whiteout game. We'll see if they get uh, clever and maybe whatever cover the stands in white, the empty stands in white. But I'll be tuned in, and so will everybody else. Uh, I will say this. Penn State will have a lot to prove on Saturday night, but 
Ohio State's obviously ultra talented. So, uh, you know, it's must see TV for sure. Oh yeah, you have to watch that game. Yeah, no they doubt have about it. Similar, yeah, similar type athletes to be should be competitive. And uh, maybe Penn State will be relaxed for that game, actually, because they suffered that defeat in Ohio State. Yeah, yeah, it could happen. It's they their games are always great. They they, you know in recent years to put it mildly, and I expect more of the same. Mm -hmm. And I think you might hit the nail right on the head there, AP. Uh, Suddenly, uh, the pressure's off. You know, Penn State, like, they've already lost, and there's only, what, eight games this year, so a loss is devastating. Uh, I think you can throw the lose-early rule out the window (laughs) this year. Right, right. (laughs) Losing early means you still lost late because the season's going to be over in two months. Um, Right. But, yeah, it'll be fun. I I think it's it's obviously kind of cool that it's on Halloween night. As I stated previously, you know, I was at last year's whiteout game against Michigan on October 19th, so just about a year ago to the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, unforgettable memory, uh, you know. Uh, one of the best decisions I ever made was to go out to that game, and especially given how, how there's not going to be one this year uh, with 110,000 fans dressed in white. No. But uh, it's going to be fun, AP. I'm very much looking forward to it, uh, to watching it. And uh, I think, again, I think you may have nailed it. If I'm, if I'm looking at it from the Penn State point of view, which is how I look at it, <laughs> they mm-hmm. relaxed. Mm-hmm. They might come in there really relaxed. Yeah. A whole lot to prove. Yeah. That, yeah that if I was Coach Franklin, that's what I'd be telling my team. You know, have a good practice this week. But I'd say, look, let's just, let's just go out here. We're at home. Let's have some fun. The pressure's on them. Yep. Let's see what we can do to get better every day this week. And, uh, you know, we have the people that can compete in this game. And we'll do better, you know, improve your field goal kicking and those types of things and be smarter with our decisions. And let's see what happens. Right. Most importantly, put that Indiana game behind us. And, you know. Right. And you can erase that, right. basically, if you beat Ohio State. So I like your thinking. And uh, AP, uh, good perspective as always. So why don't we take our final break and a few more things to get to on the other side. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN. Have you checked out Teen Wealth Radio? It's a show for teens, their parents, and educators. Hosted by Brandy England. Along with regular weekly contributors, Teen Wealth Radio will cover the topics that teens need to talk about. Plus, we discuss a book of the week and a movie of the week. And each show will offer a challenge to our teen listeners that they can share on our private Facebook group page. Be sure to tune in to Teen Wealth Radio, live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. 
It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you ever experienced the joy of living? Not just aspects of your life, but the true joy of life itself. Very sure has. You could call him an ambassador of joy. From a successful entrepreneur to becoming a quadriplegic due to a rare disease to his ongoing recovery through swimming and physical rehabilitation. Barry now presents his gifts to others as host of The Joy of Living. All you need to do is tune in. Listen live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com listening to all around sports with your host john inglesby become a part of today's show by calling 1-866-472-5788 that's 1-866-472-5788 or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net now back to the show voice america listeners welcome back to the fourth and final segment of all around sports I'm your host, John Inglesby, and back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well. Before we get started, my pick of the week for appointment viewing is tomorrow night's World Series Game 6. Another championship can be decided tomorrow night, and if not tomorrow night, it'll be Wednesday night, um, which would be the third championship in the matter of... uh, Whatever, six weeks or so, AP. You know, we Tampa Bay Lightning won the Stanley Cup. L.A. Dodgers won the L.A. Lakers won the NBA. And here we have L.A. Mm -hmm. versus Tampa. So one of those two cities is going to have their second world championship in under two months. And the Dodgers (laughs) have a chance to do it tomorrow night. Um, first, First time they've been a win away since 1988. But as we saw with that crazy ending on Saturday night, nobody's counting out the Rays, I guarantee it. Certainly I'm not. So should be fun. No. But a, a, a world championship, another one, will be decided uh, this week in the next two days. So uh, should be great theater, AP. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's been such an unusual year to have all these championships clustered together in the teams involved, Washington, uh, Los Angeles, Tampa Bay. Yeah, it's interesting. Amazing. It's, who I never would have thought, and I mean, I just did never envision Tampa Bay being the championship city. Correct. Well, if they win, and they have to win two in a row to do it. But AP, you know, right. they've already won the Stanley Cup. If they win the World Series, and then you look at how the Bucks are playing, uh, and Brady yeah. and Gronk and all of it, uh, they look like a Super Bowl contender to be sure. Uh, And, of course, no team has ever won a Super Bowl in their home stadium. Of course, the Super Bowl 
uh, next February or whenever we'll be in Tampa. Yeah. <laughs> right. And if I'm not right. mistaken, AP, I'm not even I'm not even sure if a team has ever played a Super Bowl in their home stadium. So boy, if mm, Tampa Bay wins the cool. World Series, yeah, oh my, oh my gosh, yeah, th- that city will be on fire uh, for the next four yeah, months. John, I think that. Oh, oh yeah, for sure, John. The only one I can think of is when. The Miami Dolphins played, I think, the 1984 Super Bowl versus the 49ers. I thought it was Stamford Stadium. That was the closest, correct. I think. And it wasn't their home stadium per se, but it was certainly right in their backyard. Right. That is a really good yeah, point. In your name, you are correct. Yeah. You are correct. That's all I can remember. It could have happened somewhere else. I just do not recall. But nope. That's yeah, the I only do. one that comes to mind for me, too. I do remember that. But, again, it wasn't. Candlestick Park, but it was right up the road in uh, in Palo Alto, <laughs> yeah. where Stanford plays. Uh, good, yeah. good memory. Um, hey, AP, we got to touch base here. You, you know, on of course, college football and NFL are woven together, and AP, Cam Newton, um, and the Patriots got blowed out yesterday by Jimmy G, former Patriot Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> And the 49ers yesterday in Gillette Stadium, it was the worst home loss ever for Bill Belichick uh, at Gillette Stadium or at home (laughs) since he's been coach. And a whole lot of other firsts occurred, none of them good yesterday. Um, AP, Cam Newton looks lost. There's no other way to say it. He had three, three interceptions, overthrows, underthrows. I can't help but wonder if he's injured. Um, given his fast start to the season, but now it just feels like it's all unraveling. Uh, as I sit here in Boston at the moment, here today, everybody's in shock and depressed, <laughs> to say the least. Yeah, yeah, John. I mean, Boston, you know, that ironic twist of the quarterback of the opposing team is Jimmy Garoppolo. Correct. And and then you you bring in Cam Newton for the bargain basement of one million, the minimum salary for a veteran, and he's he's accuracy has never been one of his uh, fortes, Cam Newton. So you if you're know. a quarterback and you're slowing, to, yeah, if you're slowing down, you have to stay in that pocket now as you're you know progressing your in years. It's not good. No, no, and you can't help but wonder: is he injured in that? combined with he's never been the most accurate quarterback. But that's what had everybody so excited here. Uh, you know, the night of the Seattle game, which they lost on the last play when he yes. was tackled at the goal line. Um, because he was zipping it that night. I remember sitting there watching that that night, saying to myself, I didn't realize he was that good of a passer. <laughs> right. that night he was. Exactly. I, I was, yeah, I was watching the game myself, and he's throwing some beautiful throw, making making some beautiful passes tonight. It was incredible. It was incredible, but now it's not so incredible. And then his fellow Auburn alumni, alumnus, Jared Stidham, relieved him. You know, again, that's not Cam Newton being benched, where Belichick went over him on the bench and ostensibly said, you know, you're you're benched, you're not going back in, whatever. So Jared Stidham comes in, he throws an interception. So that just was sort of the icing on the cake, the exclamation point that, like, uh, you know, the Patriots are suddenly in a quandary, and they haven't been in a quandary for over 20 years, period. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. 
for sure. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable how they're in this. So they're two and four, John. Right? Two and four. Two and four. Uh, yeah. Again, can't overstate the importance of getting beaten by at best a pedestrian Broncos team last week, as we saw yesterday against the Chiefs. So they come in, yeah, shocked yeah. everybody last week. So there was no shock losing yesterday, but you're losing 33 to six, worst home, worst loss ever for Belichick at home as a Patriot coach. Uh, yeah, that's a shocker by any standard. Yeah, yeah, there's there's no question, and I'm not sure there's a way out. Well, that's it. You know, I haven't read any in good college answers. Football, I don't have any myself. That's for yeah. sure. The question is, does no, Belichick in college football? Right, right, Johnny. You know, and in college football. You might have a breather, but not in the NFL. Yeah, you get teams that aren't as good, but you can get the worst team in there, and there's they can beat you. Oh, absolutely, and, you know, um, Buffalo. Yep, Buffalo and Buffalo yeah, next week. That's not yeah. overly inviting. And then on Monday, November ninth, they're playing the Jets down in New York. Can you imagine? Uh, that would be. Oh my yeah, god! That, oh, that, that would be, be really like, bad. Yeah, we don't even want to talk about if they lose that game because that no. would be an all-time Jets, of course, are winless. So, AP, yeah, that, yeah, that 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 would have to be the lowest. That would be right. have to be the lowest. So, we shall see. But AP, uh, it's hard to believe we're here at the end of the show already. I want to thank you again for your expertise and uh, calling in and. Uh, we're in primetime football now, and it's it's awesome to have both seasons going. Big Ten now underway. So thanks again for your expertise today. Hey, thank you, John. My pleasure. And as always, thank you all for listening to All Around Sports, and we look forward to doing it all again next Monday at noon Eastern time. Thanks again for tuning into All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week.